This is a Stay Healthy Experience with uh, Barbara Chris, yep. Daniel Baldwin, who's not here, and yours truly, Robert Ferguson. Hey, <laughs> happy to be here. Always good. And yes. Daniel, is um, he, he's going to get in trouble for this one because we have a special, special guest in yes. studio. Yay! Yay! Dr. Judy Ho. Woo! Hi! Hi! I'm so, <laughs> I know, me too. As you know, the very first time I, well, I became aware of you initially through Ron. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about doing that TV show with the NFL. Yes. And so you and I were potentially going to work together like, what, that five, six cool. years ago. Yep. But now it's come around. Yeah. That's right, isn't it? We just, still get to do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about your background, because before we started, you know, recording, mm-hmm. I had asked you, like, mm-hmm. are you a clinical psychologist? And then I heard forensic. And then you kind of summarize it in one. Yeah. So I'm a triple board certified clinical and forensic neuropsychologist. So I know Ooh, that's a mouthful. Wow. <laughs> a mouthful. I'm an ultra nerd. Um, but, you know, I mean, I have just been honestly like over the moon about the fact that I can be a psychologist because I love studying the human mind and how it connects the body and behaviors and so that's really what I do you know that fancy title really just basically lets me treat patients assess patients Mm -hmm. be able to do research and I do a lot of expert witness work in legal matters so I testify in criminal and civil cases as well and so every day of my life is really different like Today I get to do this and this gets to be part of my life. And um, I've been a tenured professor at Pepperdine University, not that far from here. Um, I've been there for the last 10 years and I'm a co-host of the syndicated daytime TV show, The Doctors. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wrote my first full length book called Stop Self-Sabotage and it was published by HarperCollins about four months ago. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks. It was really fun actually to write the first book. What's not been fun was actually the beginning of the marketing when I realized you have to market the book. And Mm -hmm. then it just overcame this feeling of fear, like, oh, marketing. (laughs) Like some people have a gift for it, but I was always that kid when I was a child. I would make my parents buy whatever number of cookies or whatever number of, you know, wrapping paper we had Uh, to for the school fundraisers. I just did not, I just don't have that like sales mentality, mm -hmm. but it's been better now. I feel like, once you realize that maybe your product can actually help people, then it doesn't feel like marketing. Right. It's more just like, let me just get the information out there and see if it can help. And yeah. it's been a lot better after I got over that first initial <laughs> fear. Well, I mean, it's, I mean awesome. you have a nice platform to be a regular on the, the doctors. Yeah, yes. no, they're really great. And the doctors is all about scientific information and making it practical for their viewers. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's, it's such a wonderful collaboration with Stay Healthy because that's really what it's all about. It's like translating scientific information in a way that will make it work for people and help them to be healthy and live their best lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So right now you're thinking this is your opportunity to um, get some help. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, man, I've got some questions for you. (laughs) You know know what's actually kind of funny? I was thinking, because, okay, on this side, I love that show Discovery ID. And, of course, they do all those, like, professional – or those, I have those professionals who testify. I'm like, oh, well, am I going to see you on that one day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I actually do a lot of Discovery ID shows. See? So, oh, the talking head on those shows where it's like, yeah. how could this person kill his wife? And it's like, well, 
and then you just try <laughs> your best. Oh wow! And then you, of course, just try try your best, be given the information that you have, to try to piece it together. But mm-hmm. you know, I think that's why there's such an attraction to those shows, right? Because people always want to know what makes people snap. Like, could it be my neighbor? <laughs> could it be my friend? Could it be my, my boss? Co-host? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> you never know. Robert's not got a psychopathic <laughs> bone in his body. You're good. <laughs> I mean, actually, that's 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 good. Mm-hmm. Like when I watch like Jerry. Uh, not uh, Springer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had those crazy shows, <laughs> and you forget that those shows are on the air until you travel like to the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. And they're prime time. Like even the oh, bodyguard guy, he has his show still. But oh. in California, you n- you never see those shows. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, when you watch those shows, I mean, can you just tell when someone's just lying about to go off or about yeah, or if it's real <laughs> yeah, or totally lying? Yeah, mm-hmm. because I have heard that rumor, right? That some of them, of course, are real guests with real problems, and some are actors. And yeah. I know, and just, I mean, we don't know which ones are which, but I, I do find that sometimes I look at these people and I'm like, you don't even believe a word that you're saying. Right. You're basically <laughs> just like amping it up for television. And, wow. you know, the more you do that, the more airtime you get. So, you know, it's a strategic thing, I think, for some of these people. Oh my. It's crazy. That's but I remember crazy. those shows. It's crazy, right? Like there's big bodyguards for Jerry Springer. Oh. And it's like eight of them on but stage. And just you just fight, fight's going down. It's going to happen. You just Bad. know. You just know. They're Scary. ready for it. I think it's a rough job for those guys. It's like, <laughs> man, every day I work, it's got to get ready to like push some people around, you know? Ready to now, rumble. in your practice right now, mm. so do you work with individuals? I do. Still? Yes, I do. Um, do you work with like survivors of, say, breast cancer? I do. Yeah, I work with a lot of, actually, I work with a lot of um, medical illness survivors, basically. People mm. who have been diagnosed with something like breast cancer or something have been told that it's very late stages and then like they're having to like work through the treatment plan and a lot of them then do survive but then you you emerge sometimes with of course you feel good but then there's also almost like a little ptsd about your health and anytime something is abnormal on a test you all of a sudden think that you're going to get back there again that you're going to have cancer Mm. again that you're going to have something really horrible and and it makes Mm. sense right because in that moment it's like your whole life is maybe even flashing before your eyes. Like, oh my gosh, like you really come to terms with the fact that, you know, we all have an only short period of time here and we mm-hmm. have to make the most of our time. And so I think a lot of them struggle with that even after they've healed. Well, you know, what made mm-hmm. me think of that was I was talking to my mom this morning who's currently going through uh, breast cancer for the third time, mm. but she's very confident it was stage zero. Oh. And then, you know, I turn my phone on and there's Shannon uh, Doherty mm-hmm. who now has breast cancer again stage four for the second time and then you know the work we're doing with stay healthy we're talking about helping survivors Mm -hmm. and that concern of like you said i found out i got something going on Mm -hmm. it's cancer am i gonna live yeah and how do you like man i feel like depression would just easily sink in yeah yes yeah and so much of it does depend on the individual resiliency of the person right and resiliency is not something that you're born with you can build it over time and you build it on your own and also with a community and a lot of it is about sort of what your attitude is Mm -hmm. and what you think you have control over because Mm -hmm. if you feel like you don't have control over your health at all of course you're going to get very hopeless and kind of sink into that depression but also i think if you feel like you have you know the tools that you can actually feel better, that it's a possibility. Like if you have some positive attitudes, like it has been shown to actually translate to real health outcomes. So when people believe Mm -hmm. they can actually overcome and get better, they generally do have better odds of getting better than the people who are just like, well, that's it, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting how much the mind, you know, can play a role in somebody's recovery and healing. Mm -hmm. 
Well, are yeah, you familiar sure. with um, the Hippocrates uh, Institute in Florida? No, I'm not. So the Hippocrates yeah. Institute, uh, I think they can accept maybe 100 patients at a time. But before you can become a patient, mm-hmm. you must have the right mindset to be Whoa. a patient. So if your thinking is not in alignment with what they believe is going to help lead you to you know, optimizing your experience, then they won't even bring you wow. in. Wow. Well, then how do they verify that? I think you're not just like lying I'm not about sure. It. I'm sure there's like some testing. Maybe they meet with a psychologist just mm-hmm. to find out like, are you in it? And like in your field with weight loss. Yeah. You know, like we were talking about one of your clients mm-hmm. who said, yeah. I'm going to do this program. I am so ready for it. And then mm-hmm. yesterday I ate cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. She doesn't have the, she's not mentally, I don't think ready right. to be successful. Well, and it right. kind of leads into another question. I think that you'd be perfect to talk about this is that um, a lot of times people have this feeling that they're going to miss out of something, mm-hmm. you know? And so in this particular client's case, she just feels like she'll never have cake again. Like she can't get over the fact that you know, just trying to adjust her nutrition is one thing, but in her mind, it's, mm-hmm. it's so extreme that, yes. no, that means I'm not going to have anything or this cake ever, ever, ever again. Yeah. Like, how do you, you know, address <laughs> that, you know, that it's so normalized. funny how I think the human brain is exceedingly good at categorization. Like mm. it, it will run into that black and white thinking if you're not careful, meaning kind of like everything is in one box or the other. There's not like an in-between like, okay, I just have like less cake. Like it's more like I'll never have it again. And obviously that can contribute sometimes to like a very negative attitude too, because like mm. one bad thing happens, you're like, that's it. Everything is crap from now mm. on. And then people really get themselves really worked up. And it's interesting because it's all thoughts based, right? Mm. Nothing's even <laughs> yes. happened yet. Like you just told yourself a story and you're like playing a movie in your mind that like hasn't even occurred. Yes. And, and then you kind of go down this slippery slope and then your mood starts getting worse and then your behaviors are sort of like reinforcing that mood, right? Because mm-hmm. like if you're not feeling very good, oftentimes people are like, I forget, it. I'm just not going to get out of bed. I'll just like watch Netflix all day. And that actually makes them feel even worse. And so right. really like your thoughts <laughs> and your behaviors, your mood is like all tied together, right? Yeah, yeah. I get that. Well, you know, my family mm-hmm. once, I'll never forget this. And I learned this, like, I guess this is the street psychology lesson here <laughs> is we're in the house and everybody's like, hey, you know, let's let's play the lottery. Yeah, it's really big. <laughs> yes. So everyone's like, all right, I'm going to put in a dollar. All right, mm-hmm. Everybody puts in their money. They go get the lottery ticket, come back. You know, you're starting to talk, you're eating, you're playing cards. And then someone <laughs> says, man, when I get my money, this is what I'm going to buy. And then someone, nah, when I get my money, I'm going to buy this. Well, you're not going to get all of that because some of the money is split between. Next thing you know, they got arguments. Oh. And people left the house based yep. on what could happen. Right. If huh. they want. Right. Like, <laughs> they don't have even yet. Like you said, it was all in their head. They yeah. created this, yeah. these illusions where it on the outside or it manifested into people getting mad and not talking. Right. Like it's yeah. so real for them. Yeah. yeah. This story. Yeah. But that's how you're, I, I believe your client mm-hmm. is one of those people who is like, okay, I, I'm all in. The pendulum is going to swing all the way to the all right. All the way over here. And I'm never going to eat cake again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yep. And now, that's it. And my life is not going to be miserable <laughs> because all I'll do is watch other people eat cake all the time and be yeah. sad. Yeah. Right. And so the, don't dieters go there? Your yes. Experience. Yes. Yes. And same thing when they like accidentally fall off a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they told themselves they're going to eat healthy and then they went to a party. Whoops. They ate one brownie. And then they're like, well, that's it. I might as well just eat the rest of the brownies <laughs> right. and forget it. Cause I guess I'm never going to reach this goal. Then the next morning they were going to eat more brownies. Right. And it's like, people have such a all or nothing mindset, which mm-hmm. I think is a, a key to success, you have to overcome that. The key to success is to like not have that all or nothing mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to stop yourself in the middle of a behavior that you think is unhealthy and say, you know what, I can change course anytime. I can change course right now. 
Like mm-hmm. even as I'm about to put the second brownie in my right. mouth, I cannot do that. Right? <laughs> but people are like, eh, whatever. I already blew the dice for the rest of the night. I'm just gonna eat everything that I want. Of course, that makes them feel even worse when they wake up in the morning, right? Because mm-hmm. they've like completely gone off the rails. It's that all or nothing mentality. Yep. You're, I mean, yeah. you're, you're so right on. And <clears throat> is that uh, like, I guess for a lot of these people, when it's all or nothing, wouldn't it be accurate to say that that's how they cope? Yeah. Like that's their coping skill? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think in some ways it's trying to simplify a complex situation, right? Because hmm. a complicated situation actually takes more time to like analyze and think through. But if you put something in an all good box or an all bad box, it actually simplifies the problem sometimes so like you said it is a coping strategy for some people like just simplify it then i don't have to like think about the nuances but life is all about the nuances particularly Mm -hmm. when it comes to social interactions and relationships Mm -hmm. like you can't do the black and white thinking when it comes to like interacting with a human being with complex thoughts and ideas and behaviors but a lot of times people still do that right so like one person will say something that's like slightly sarcastic, maybe a little caustic, and they'll be like, well, that's it. That guy's a jerk. I'm never speaking to him again. It's like, dude, it was a joke. And if you didn't get the joke, fine. And if you were a little insulted, tell him. But Mm -hmm. do you have to like completely write off this person for the rest of your life? But I see that a lot with some of my clients. They're just like, well, that's it. We're done. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea because overall this person's a great person to have in your yeah. life. And now right. you're mad at him over one thing. You're not going to talk to him for like five weeks. I mean, it seems ridiculous, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of people do it. That's so interesting. And what about like in that kind of a scenario, what if you were to kind of work with a client, kind of prep them and basically tell them, well, we know you're not going to be f- perfect. It's okay. But here's some strategies as far as how you can do with it when it comes up, not if. But even yeah. then, they still revert back, like you said, to that like all or nothing. Like, how do you yeah, get but them to... I think that that is a good strategy, is like set them up for that expectation mm-hmm. in advance. One of the things that I've been telling a lot of my clients about is like, you can't expect success to come easily. Like, I know that there's a lot of literature on positive thinking, and it's a good thing, but mm-hmm. if it's just positive thinking in the void, it's not good. Right. So if you think, I can reach this goal, and it's going to be easy. I'm visualizing myself reaching it, and there'll be no obstacles. Mm-hmm. That type of thinking, in my mind, is dangerous because it's actually a key to failure. You have to visualize that you can be successful, but you mm-hmm. have to visualize that you're going to have obstacles. Basically, like, it's going to be hard work, but I can do it. Oh, right? right. As opposed to, I can do it, and I'm going to sail through. Because no Nobody sails through when the goal is a big one, when it's an important goal. Like you're going to have obstacles. And so one good strategy is to say, okay, let's visualize what those obstacles are right now. Nobody likes to think about them, but it's better that you think about them in advance so you have a plan. Mm -hmm. You know, if I go to this party and somebody offers me a brownie, (laughs) then I'll say this. Like actually do that before you go to the party. Because once you're at the party and you're trying to like think that up in the moment, you're just going to say yes. Yeah, because the person's looking right at you and you didn't have a plan in advance. Mm -hmm. So I think the planning is helpful. And then another technique I love teaching people because people buy into their thoughts all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like a thought happens, they think it's already happening or it's true. So I I just remind them that thoughts are just mental events. The average human being has over 50,000 thoughts in a day. Whoa. And we obviously don't pay attention to all of them, but how come some of them really get our attention and then we just like keep turning it over and over in our heads? So I just remind them to do something really simple when they have a negative thought that bothers them. Like if they have a thought, for example, I'm never going to achieve this goal. Mm. Well, that's a very Mm self-defeating thought. But you can see how somebody can think that and be like, yep, that's happening already. So Mm. I just remind them to do this technique. And I just say, add this little sentence in front of that thought. And the sentence you add is, I'm having the thought that. Mm -hmm. So then the original thought becomes, I'm having the thought that I'm never going to reach this goal. 
and just notice how like then the thought is just like you just said is a thought like right i'm yeah. having the thought that i want a brownie but that doesn't mean that i have to have one or uh. doesn't, you know so it's really just letting the thought be what it is which is like yeah it's just a mental event i'm having a thought so what like doesn't mean anything really right. you See, know i love that my, yeah my mom when i was coaching my mom who ended up losing 125 pounds i said mom what is going to be one of your biggest obstacles mm -hmm. and she looked over at my uh, her husband at the time <laughs> she looked at him and said that's my obstacle yeah, <laughs> yeah. i love it i love it <laughs> yeah she and was I, honest and i said okay so what what are some of the problems you're going to run into yeah. with, with that obstacle <laughs> he's going to bring home food that he knows I'm not eating. Uh -huh. And he's not going to eat the food that I'm cooking because he thinks it's diet food. Mm. I said, okay, so what are you going to cook next that's, that's new to him? And she said, chili. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use ground turkey instead of ground beef. Mm -hmm. I go, okay. I said, well, write down on this paper. I call it expectation frame. I yeah. said, what you can expect to happen when, <laughs> when you know, you make the, the chili. And I said, now let's come up with a plan on how you're going to deal with it. I said, yep. one, you're not going to tell him that you put ground turkey in it. Right. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> he like, won't even know. He's he like, hell no. He won't know. So right. my mom does it. She calls me. She's hysterical. She goes, I am so upset with him. I go, what happened? She says, well, I made it. He came home. He's like, oh, that smells good. He ate it. And then I just couldn't help myself, son. I said, you know that has ground turkey. Oh, <laughs> she couldn't. So then he got mad because she, he, you know, she, he felt that she, he was taking advantage of. She was deceiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so they just they just bumped heads. So well, fast forward about five or six months later, mm -hmm. she does it again. This time <laughs> she didn't say anything. I uh -huh. said, Mom, you know he knows, but right. as long as you don't say anything, then he, he doesn't be right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's like yeah, he he can be right in his own way. He's that's right. What he wanted he wanted to be right. That's and funny. then did he eat it? Oh, he ate it. And she he never said it. anything. Yeah, yeah, see? That's awesome. Right. I love it. <laughs> but I love that expectation frame. You know, that's what it's all about. It's like, let's talk about the obstacles before yeah. they happen so you have a plan. Mm -hmm. And then once it happens, you know, then you're not just like at a loss. Because, you know, sometimes when those things happen, our triggers happen the most for us when we're already emotionally tired or we mm -hmm. had a rough day right. or we're feeling yeah. emotionally reactive somehow. We're in a bad mood. And then that's when you make bad decisions, right, about your health or anything else, really. I mean, if you come home and you're tired and you've had a rough day, like that's when you argue with your loved ones. You don't argue with them when you're in a great mood. You know, you're kind True. of like, you know, that's that's when you have all of those good emotion regulation skills in spades. So it's about setting up the expectations ahead of time and knowing mm -hmm. how to deal with the obstacles. But then you expect them to come and it's not so much like, oh, like, wow, this is so disillusioning, right? Yeah. That I'm right. having an obstacle. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, I'm just okay. not cut out for Well, this. I have a question for you, and, and maybe you could help us both out, right? Yeah. We both coach people mm -mm. Uh, with weight loss, nutrition, all that stuff. And at times, I'll talk to my clients about cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. and I'll help them understand that we want to bring everything in alignment. Yep. We don't want you to be thinking one thing and then doing mm -hmm. something totally different. Yep. How do you help them bridge that gap or not fall prey to that? Yeah, I love cognitive dissonance because we human beings do not like to be inconsistent. And when there's like an <laughs> inconsistent thought and the consistent behavior yes. like messes with us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be very motivational, but it can obviously go the other way too. So I had a friend who was a anti-tobacco researcher, but he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. <laughs> no way. And that's like the craziest <laughs> cognitive dissonance, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so eventually he was like, it's all coming to a head. It's too uncomfortable for me. <laughs> and he's like, so either I have to like quit this job and keep smoking yeah. or I have to like 
quit smoking so I can keep working at the job. And he did quit smoking, but oh, it was good. very, very hard for him. And, and I think that in some ways, the cognitive dissonance can be a tool. It's almost like telling them, hey, like the cognitive dissonance is telling you something. It means that something's not aligned. So mm. you got to figure out what that is and then bring it into alignment, right? And, and I really utilize some of the strategies that um, are part of the literature that, that we call motivational interviewing, where you kind mm. of meet the client where they are, are and you roll with their resistance because people don't love to be told what to do. Right. So sometimes oh. when you're coaching people, I'm sure it's like, Sometimes they're taking it in and other times they hear something they don't want to hear. Then all uh -huh. of a sudden they start arguing against it. Well, I can't do that or that doesn't make sense for me, blah, blah, blah. And I think during those moments, I'm like, okay, well, like I just roll with it. I'm like, okay, well, if you're not ready to make that change, that's cool. But tell me a little bit about how this is working for you right now. Like, so I almost try to like uh, create more cognitive mm. dissonance, but mm -hmm. it comes from them. Like it came from them and it was their idea as opposed to me shoving it down right. their throat. I, I asked them like, well, how's this working for you right now? Mm -hmm. And what would you like to be different? Like, what would make you feel better? And then they usually come up with it. I'm oh, like, wow. okay, well, I just want to point out that you said that even though you love that you're eating whatever you want to eat, that you don't love that you're 40 pounds overweight right, right now. And so you told me that. And so how do you make sense of that? Because you're saying you love what you're eating, but then you're saying you don't like that you're 40 pounds overweight. So like, what do you make of that? And I put it back in their hands mm -hmm. and there tends to be a little less resistance right. when I create that cognitive dissonance and let them decide what they want to do next. Do they ever That's have, awesome. do you ever have a stalemate moment? Where it's almost, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you take me there and then you ask me the question. So how's that working <laughs> for you a little bit? I go, I'm good. Silent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I say anything, it's just it's incriminating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just stare at you like. Well, it's funny because if you ever want to try to get in a room with me and you want to see how long people can be okay with the silence because it's uncomfortable for uh -huh. most people, I'm gonna win every time. <laughs> because okay. in therapy school, like we learn that that's where all the good stuff is, you mm -hmm. know. And it's funny because as a beginning therapist, in the beginning, I would be so nervous and I feel like I'd have to over talk. Right. And then when there's like a moment of silence, I'll be like, okay, well then. That. <laughs> and my supervisor, who you know, we would tape those sessions so that she would watch them, and she would be like that if you just shut up for like five more seconds <laughs> right. you were gonna get to something really juicy and you just didn't wait and oh. so yeah i just it's kind of like a staring contest if it's like a silence contest so if they just like say nothing i'll be like just let it and, go and you just gotta it's like it sells yep. it is the same right? thing you when you, when you put it in front and you give the offer just wait and be quiet right yeah and the hard part is you know they want to tap dance yeah you, you <laughs> want to think for them you want to answer for yeah. them and they're still and they're and they're just yeah. waiting. And I remember, like, I was selling oh, this lady my program years ago, mm -hmm. and I, I teach this in trainings. And I went to her with the question, <laughs> and she like started breathing, looking around, <laughs> and it was killing me inside. I wanted to say, "So what's going to work best?" <laughs> I wanted right. to say something, but I just like I just I stood fast. Waited. I bet it seemed like five, ten minutes went by. Right, <laughs> like the whole universe. Because <laughs> I wanted changed. to, I wanted to move it forward. Yeah, yeah. And she was going through all this stuff in her head, and then she finally came out and says, "All right, I'm gonna do the payment plan." Mm -hmm. <sighs> 
Yep. Uh, mission accomplished. Right, <laughs> right. right. Funny. Let her come up with it herself, you yes. know? And then they don't feel coerced into it because that's a really important part, I think, of motivation. Like, yeah. of course, the external motivation is nice. It's nice to have your coach, like, be there with you, encourage you, tell you all the benefits, give you high fives. But you also need to have some of it come internally, right? You want to want those things. You want to mm-hmm. go work with the coach. You want right. to make these changes. Right. And I think that when you let them come up with it, then it gives them a little bit of a sense of internal motivation, even mm-hmm. though it's obviously your plan for them in the first place. Like, yeah. That was what you wanted them to come to, but then you're not having to force it down their throat every time. So I find that with my more resistant clients that that helps. And yeah, we just, I we just stay that. silent and look at each other. It's like empowering yeah. for them, right? You kind of, you gave them some power or the, yeah. you gave them the opportunity to take that power back. Yeah. And they can decide what they want to do with it because, mm-hmm. you know, for two people with the same problem, they could have very different approaches. So it gives mm-hmm. them a chance to problem solve, right? Like one person's 40 pounds overweight and maybe their idea is okay well i'm gonna change my eating in this way and then i'm gonna do this many workouts but for another person their plan could be totally different they could be like you know i don't want to change my eating that much yet but let me start with the workout first like i feel better about that and and it's okay whichever way Mm -hmm. they want to go i want them to kind of come up with what makes sense for them right yeah yeah because then they'll stick with it they're more likely to stick with it yeah and then that's when you kind of come in and be like that's a great plan. How can I help you with that plan? Right. Cause mm-hmm. and then you can kind of step back in and, and try to educate them and give them ideas, but then still they came up with that project on their own. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of nice. I, I enjoy being able to see them take ownership of that because so mm-hmm. much of our health behaviors, it's all about ownership. Like you have to feel like you have the ability to affect your health, to be able to do positive things. Mm. See, that's, yeah, that's so awesome. powerful, but it's just, there's this <clears throat> ongoing challenge that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's with our youth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the youth are learning from their parents. Ah, yes. So for years, you know, thousands of women I've sat in front of and coached, right? And I'll get to a place where you start to see the same things again and again and again. Mm-hmm. You know their story before they tell you their story. And what I've seen a lot of is that when they were nine years old, they were thin. Mm-hmm. Their mom was hardcore when it came to like, we don't eat candy. There's no soda. And almost every one of those cases, these women grow up and now they're 40 something, 50 something. They're overweight. They're Mm. not winning at weight loss. Mm -hmm. Their kids are watching them battle constantly. Mm. And they point at what they're, how they were raised, but then they're raising their kid the same way. Yeah. Mm. And there's like this disconnect. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a language around how to communicate what a mom is doing to get her health back. Yep. That will not create harm or damage in her in their child right Hmm. yeah could you talk on that a little bit yeah totally i mean i think that sometimes you know again we're not perfect as adults we're not perfect and we're going to have failures we're going to fall down and i think it's okay for our kids to see that but you have to kind of own it and be honest about it right like Hmm. okay you know daddy didn't have a very good day today and daddy's sorry that you know he kind of took it out on you and you know raise my voice for no reason. I'm sorry. I'm just upset. Um, I will try to manage it better next time. And here's something that I'm going to try next time when I'm not feeling good. You know, I think it's okay to kind of talk through that in front of your Mm -hmm. kids, bad habits, even like, you know, mommy was really, really stressed out yesterday, (laughs) kind of ate a lot of junk food. And I know it's kind of (laughs) confusing to you because now you're asking me to eat the same junk food I ate last night. I'm saying no. And that's because ultimately mommy made a mistake. I didn't, I shouldn't have eaten that. Mm -hmm. And from now on, I'm not going to have it in the house, but I will let you in the next time we go to the grocery store, I will pick out five 
foods that are like healthy but kind of taste good too and I'll let you take your favorite one home you know so I think it's like a process of re-education and just letting them know why sometimes your reasoning doesn't look like it makes sense right it's like just own it like sorry mommy you shouldn't have Mm -hmm. eaten this either and now today mommy's feeling better and realizes you shouldn't eat it but it's not because oh I can do it and you can't because Mm -hmm. kids hate that kids hate it when it's like well how come you can do whatever and I don't you know so you want to make sure that they know oh that was just a slip up yeah yeah. Well, well let me let me tell you about my upbringing. Uh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> like right, like yeah, my mom was like, "Do what I say, exactly. not what I do." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If my, if Sorry, I mom. Home and my mom was talking to mm-hmm. me like that with that kind of <laughs> clear communication and, and <laughs> compassion and like, empathy, <laughs> I would fall over. Like what? I Who mean, are to, you? To yes. hear my mom go, son, look. Yesterday, I wasn't feeling that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom. <laughs> That's oh, why I was so all moody. Right. Yeah. I was moody. You know, I love you. It's like, yeah. wow. Who are you? Yeah, no, right. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Who like, are I, you? I could, yeah. I could not imagine my mom saying that. I mean, yeah. I love my mom, but heck no. But, yeah. you know, it's Maybe inter- it's that generation. They I just, think. They didn't communicate. Like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and I have to say, because I, when I went through a divorce, I went through, you know, at least oh, close to two years of, of therapy and counseling for that. And that, what you shared as far as that, that transparency, mm-hmm. that was something I took from that now with my son and when I have to deal with issues so much more powerful to yeah. just just be like upfront about well, you know what like you said like okay so yeah I get it. I totally you know lost my cool mm-hmm. and just be and just own it as opposed to just saying you know what just man that is so powerful it, it really is if we all did that mm-hmm. oh even school teachers if everyone yeah. did that yeah I, mean, I just wish I knew that sooner mistakes. I wish I knew it sooner but I yeah. mean I know some of it now well, well I think huge. sometimes you know I mean we want to set good examples for our children mm-hmm. the people that we're mentoring and like we don't want them to see that side of mm-hmm. us but it's like that actually doesn't prepare them right the whole idea is about the expectation again right. like mm-hmm. expectation framing it's like the idea of like there are going to be obstacles even when you think you're winning 80 percent of the time 90 percent of the time like sometimes you're not winning right. sometimes you're not doing mm-hmm. it right and it's okay to be like yeah i made a mistake also you might make mistakes too mm-hmm. and it's okay you right. know it, <laughs> yeah we're it's all true. gonna do it so we might as yeah. well just own up to it you know i mean i remember there are times when you know um my husband and i like we'll get into an argument and he'll make fun of me he'll be like I thought that you taught communication <laughs> skills as part oh. of your work. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what Dang. a zinger. But you <laughs> know, sometimes you you get reactive and you forget your good communication tools. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like, I enjoyed being called out on it. I'm yeah. like, you know what? That's a good point. All right, yeah. let's all take a deep breath. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it'd be about some stupid argument too because both my husband and I are very type A. Like, the other day we were arguing <laughs> about how to turn off a light, right? It's like, I think there's only an on and off switch. Like, what do you mean the right way? It's funny, you know? Yeah. But like, we're like, wait this is like completely going in a crazy direction yeah that it doesn't need to go in but like sometimes mm-hmm. you're in the middle of it before you realize that it's crazy you know like, but i'm right all of us do it <laughs> yeah now would that work for a couple let's say the guy has an affair he comes home he says hey look something happened today i don't know what was going on in my head <laughs> <laughs> oh I, mean, I feel like that needs to be a much bigger conversation okay. <laughs> and that, that won't work so well yeah. for that one like sorry i messed right. up try again tomorrow like no <laughs> like wait a minute you know but but yeah i mean but i do think that in general in general for most issues obviously transparency is key mm-hmm. and you just gotta own your mistakes like we're all we all let our pride get in the way mm-hmm. and i think sometimes that pride is coming from a good place like when you're trying to be a good parent you're like oh i want my kids to think i'm a superhero and i want them yes. to look up to me and i don't want them to think that like mommy or daddy doesn't mm-hmm. know how to make good decisions like mm-hmm. but we're human like we're all not perfect and so it's actually better for your kid to be like oh even my mom or dad who is my superhero 
they even do it. Oh, okay, so when I do it, I don't have to beat myself up because that's what happens to some people. Right. They grow up like that and then they, they make a mistake and they beat themselves up like crazy for it. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that comes from parents who maybe like tried to hide their own mistakes right. mm. from their kids. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. For sure. For a sure. whole bunch. Yeah. Well, there's, there's three things that I 100% want to bring up and I believe it can help quite a few people. And I'm sure there's something in your head you want to mm-hmm. kind of bring up. Yes. And one of them, so I have a 12 and a nine-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And for the last two years, like Felicity, my my 10-year-old, mm-hmm. she would come home and she would talk about her friends. And one's like, you know, um, pansexual. Mm-hmm. One is, um, you know, gay. Mm-hmm. Another one believes she's a lesbian. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, like. And she's talking about it just like just talking about I don't know going to Target or something. It's, yeah. And I'm going, okay, so I don't, I need to learn this L B G B T Q plus, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta yeah. get this down to have conversation with my daughter. So then I started meeting her friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. And I'm doing the best I possibly can to just just be accepting for I mean, not making mm-hmm. it a big deal. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my head, there's a part of me that's going man, you know, is, is my daughter going to maybe be gay or, uh-huh. or is she just talking about it? That, I mean, she hasn't told me she is. Uh-huh. I mean, the conversations at 12 are totally different <laughs> from what I remember. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little freaked out about it, but I also know that just maintain love and peace in my heart yep. and just be accepting of all people. Yeah. And that's what I'm working off of. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, there's never going to be a time where all parents know everything, right? And there's always new things that come up. And I do think that this generation knows things earlier than the previous generations, Mm -hmm. probably because of social media. I mean, things just transfer so quickly, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. back in the day, it's like if you wanted to get any news, you have to like wait for the newspaper to come and then you get your news, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And then now, I I mean, even on TV, like, you know, you have a program on CNN and it's like, there's a ticker on the bottom and there's like a little pop-up and like so many things going on at once. And then people are like looking at CNN.com on their phones at the same time they're watching CNN. But that's the way our world is moving. And so a lot of these conversations do happen a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. I've had patients, I mean, it was appalling, but I, I guess I shouldn't have been that shocked you know, I had a 10-year-old patient be like, oh, on the playground, we look at porn all the time. I'm like, huh? At 10? Whoa. But again, it's just so easy and accessible because 10-year-olds have smartphones. Right. And oh so gosh. then, you know, and I have to be like, okay, I mean, this is not even my kid, but I, even I felt reactive, right? Yeah. This is my patient that I've been working with for a very long time. And I was like, okay, but you know what? If you act in like a disdainful way, they're going to feel like forever judged and they can't come to you right. and talk to you about this stuff. And I want them to feel like they can, because I want to figure out what's going on there. Like, why are you looking at porn on the playground? Like who started it? Like, do you like it? What have you looked at? You know, like mm-hmm. I want to know those things so I can actually help them a little bit more and help the parents talk to the kid. But mm-hmm. that first initial reaction oh, yeah. of like, I'm oh. sorry, you're looking at <laughs> porn on the playground. <laughs> Yes. And then I find out it's like really racy porn too. Cause you know, there's like fetish porn and they're like looking at fetish porn. I'm like, oh. at 10, you're not just like looking at regular porn. <laughs> like wow. you're looking at like just nutty stuff, you know? But again, it's just our kids are growing up way faster. I feel like, wow. and they get exposed to more things that feel more adult to us. Like we were not looking at right. porn at 10 years old. On the so playground. would you say that a big part of, I guess <clears throat> the tip for us parents yeah. is to not come across judging. Yeah. And just try to keep 
conversation open. Yeah. And they, can, and they feel comfortable to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you want to be able to be there for them, even if you have certain personal ideas and judgments and beliefs. I think if you know that that's going to get in the way and you're going to get emotional, you need to like step out of the room and mm -hmm. come back only when you feel like you can like, okay, I took a beat. Mm -hmm. That was shocking. Okay, but now I can just take that attitude of inquisitiveness, right? Just right. be curious. Well, tell me how that happened. Or, oh, so your friend who says she's pansexual, how does she describe it to you? Like, what does she mean by pansexual? Mm -hmm. And what is, has she acted on it? Has she been pan? What does that mean? Just come from a place of questioning and curiosity mm -hmm. because that's less judgmental. Right. As mm -hmm. opposed to, well, how would she know she's pansexual? She's only 10. Like, you know, because that I think right. is a thought that people might think like, 10 you know your sexuality at 10 some people don't know until they're 18 like you know it's easy right. for people to have their own thoughts and it's just better if you just turn it into a question as opposed to a good. statement See? I that's did, good I did good because no, first I'm I was going, what is pansexual yeah where's my or there's some people who say that there are some people who say that they're asexual like they literally have no attraction to any human being or being you know and 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 what how do you deal with that it's like but that that doesn't sound right. But then, like you said, you know, well, let, let's find out what that mm -hmm. means right. then for this person. You know, is it a face? Who knows? Maybe they just watched a movie or read a blog, you know, and mm -hmm. now they're saying that. And it's a phase and we don't know. Mm -hmm. So we just have to figure it out. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked that because we were earlier we were talking about just kids in general and talking to them and yeah. trying to, you know, maintain that open communication. Because we know, I mean, I have a 15 year old. I mean, I know he yeah. doesn't tell me everything. Yeah. But I, I think it's healthy it. that he's not telling yeah. you everything. <laughs> that would be really everything. weird. You know what? Yeah. I Okay, this made me so com uncomfortable. <laughs> I went to dinner with my husband on a double date with another couple. And one of uh -huh. them was a psychologist too. And we see this. It's not a couple, but they were acting like it next to us. It was a mom and a teenage son. Oh. And literally... The mom was ecstatic. She looked like she was on a date with her 15-year-old son. <laughs> it was weird. And the 15-year-old son was very sweet. He was very nice. But she literally said she was like having her drinks and her 15-year-old's having like a virgin pina colada or whatever. <laughs> and they start talking to us. And, and she's just like, well, my son is my best friend, aren't you, honey? And I'm like, this is unhealthy. <laughs> I think you should be a parent and not their best friend, really. But right. she said it so many times that it made us all uncomfortable. We're like, yeah. there's a real like Freudian thing going on here. You know, <laughs> like we're like, you know, like the mom is like attracted to her own side. I mean, it was Ew. weird. <laughs> and she yeah. was like wiping stuff off his chin when he was eating. Mm. And, and oh. just like weird stuff that felt like a little almost like crossing the boundary. Like cringy. But she, she literally said so many times that that's my best friend. And I'm like, your son's going to have problems when he grows <laughs> <Right>. up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. So you don't want that. You no. don't want like the oversharing. As a teenager, I think you should. Yeah. If you're doing your job as a parent, right? They're telling you most things, but some things, I mean. Yeah. You just know, how it's just how, it, how it is. They're gonna have to talk to other adults or other friends. Yeah. yeah. So I get that whole judgment yeah. thing. Like when I was a kid growing up, <clears throat> I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I was probably eight or nine. I walk into the kitchen, mm -hmm. and I got a glass of water, and I dropped the glass, and it broke. Hmm. So my mom comes in and sees I, I broke the glass. Mm. And she starts yelling at me, <laughs> right, just going off. And I think I got a spanking. And in my mind, I was like, it's not like I went in there and took the glass and just yeah. broke it. Uh -huh. It was an accident. So yep. then I started noticing whenever I would break something or do something that I thought would get a reaction out of her, mm. I would hide it. 
Mm. And so, you know, if I, if I started that at eight, by the time I was 20, 21, oh, man. I became good at that, right? right? Because I didn't like conflict. I didn't want judgment. I didn't want someone to make a comment. And yeah. so I run from conflict. Oh. And not until probably the last 10 years of my life have I moved into a healthier place mm-hmm. where now I'm more transparent and open about things, even when it's not a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But it took a while, but my mom is the reasoning mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All for, kinds of moms under the bus today. Oh, yeah. Think about <laughs> yep. that. And so yep. <clears throat> to help, like, parents help their kids, I mean, it resonates so much with me what you're saying that don't be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be loving, be caring, listen to them, ask questions, be curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of that quick response of like, boy, what's wrong with you? Boom, bam. Yeah. <laughs> now go get a switch and bring it in here. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, it's true. And I think again, you know, we're all we're all gonna have emotions. And so as a parent, it's like you have to unfortunately the responsibility is on you to like take a beat and be like, Oh, yeah. I feel reactive and I really wanna say something judgmental. Let me step out of the room and until I'm ready to come back and just mm-hmm. be more open, I'm not even gonna touch the See, subject. How do you yeah. get someone to get there. Yeah, it's because, hard. Because what you're yeah. saying, the only time, the first time I saw that, I used to work with Lucia Riker. Mm-hmm. And Lucia Riker is probably the best female boxer of all time. Mm-hmm. And if you ever watched a movie called The Million, uh, Million Dollar Baby, yep. mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. a villain who hurt Hillary Swank. Mm-hmm. So I trained her. And in, in real life, we're getting ready for this big match with Christy Martin, mm-hmm. which never happened. And Emmanuel Stewart, you know, rest in peace, who's a legendary trainer, comes in and they get into a look like a debate Mm -hmm. and i saw sweet lucia just she was changing like the exorcist was was coming out (laughs) and she goes excuse me and she got up and she walked and she went into like the bedroom and i'm in there with emmanuel it was a little odd because they had Mm -hmm. just gotten into it and probably 20 minutes later she walks out the room totally different person she goes, okay, so let's go back to that conversation. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I yeah. mean, and then later I asked her, I said, what did you do? What, what's in uh-huh. that room? She goes, I went in and she was Buddhist. Uh-huh. She said, I chanted, I prayed, yeah. I brought peace back into myself. And then I went in there mm-hmm. and we finished the conversation. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. that's what it is. I mean, it's so amazing because when we're in the moment, we're caught up and we're already emotional. It's like you're like in the middle of an argument, (laughs) like keep going. If you can just call that time out, I mean, adults need time out too. (laughs) That's basically the lesson. If you can call that time out, it's amazing what even five minutes will do for most people. Mm -hmm. Like there are times when I feel like so reactive because something happened. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, oh, I'm really going to write this email, this strongly worded (laughs) email. (laughs) And it's like so aggressive, you know? And then I'm like, you know what? Just walk away for a few minutes. Like go get some water right? Mm -hmm. Like whatever, go get some water, straighten up your couch or something and come back and read this email again and see if you really still want to send it. And I'll read it. I'll be like, you know what? Uh, no, delete, you know, but in that moment, you're just like, I'm going to send it. So I really know who (laughs) this to mess with me. And then if you walk away, it's crazy what five minutes you do. I mean, she was very involved. She's even chanting. I mean, we could do that. We could do the deep breathing in those minutes. But I find that if I just remove myself from the situation, like your mind forgets, like your mind Mm -hmm. starts to think about other stuff. Like, Oh, Oh, I got to like straighten up this couch real quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, like what, what do I want for dinner? And then like, before you know it, your mind is on a different track and you come back and you see it with fresh eyes. And Mm -hmm. so I I think in order to get there, you have to have that self-awareness of like, you feel the emotions welling up and you know, you're going to say or do something that you might Mm -hmm. regret later. You're just like, let me, let me take five minutes. And control too, right? Yeah. Yeah, Control level. Yeah. 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 You got to work on that. 
<laughs> yeah, I just fly yeah, off the you handle. Look really volatile. Totally. Yeah. 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 Not fall asleep around me. <laughs> okay, so I, I have two more, but uh-huh. I'm gonna ask one, and then I'm gonna let you go. Okay. Okay. So there's this TV show, the series I love to watch. Mm-hmm. And when I first met you at Stay Healthy, mm-hmm. and you left, and I was watching that series, I go, man, this you could this was built for you. This TV show was built for you mm. like there's a place for you in this series <laughs> and it's called billions oh nice have you ever heard of billions no so now you got to watch it yeah showtime <laughs> yep it's a show made for me apparently so it yeah. is. <laughs> and, and there's a woman who's a psychologist uh-huh who is helping take these business owners to a whole nother level mm. and so she's like the resident psychologist and so all the employees can go in there and talk to her like you watched some of it right i did yeah and but the show is all about like it's psychology. Yeah. And I tell people, if you want to get into business, watch Billions. Mm. Because you you want to think the way they're thinking. Yeah. You want to think in a way that doesn't upset them. Right. Almost mm-hmm. like love languages. Like, I mm-hmm. want to find out what works for you. Yeah. And then communicate in a way where it works for me. Mm-hmm. And then we can all, like, quantum. Yep. So, Billions. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, psychology plays a role in like every aspect of our lives to some degree because it's about the human mind. Right. And it's about working with people and understanding who's in front of you. Because sometimes I I think we think from obviously our standpoint makes sense. Like we're we are us. So we're thinking, well, if it was me, I would like to be talked to this way. Or if it was me, this is the reaction I would have. But everyone's different and if you can understand the person in front of you and what motivates them Mm -hmm. that's going to help so much in negotiations your relationship everything right and and we all have personality types you know I think I mean all of us I think we talk fast like we have a lot of energy but haven't you been around those people who like they're just more mellow Mm -hmm. and then I feel like my energy might overwhelm them so like when I see (laughs) somebody like that I have to like quiet my voice and I mm-hmm. have to slow down when I'm speaking so that I can match them more mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. can feel more comfortable with me. And I think that's where I learned um, to do that is through therapy because mm. somebody will come in. I'll be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, like this woman is too much. Uh-huh. Right. So you have to match people where they are. And some uh-huh. people come in and they're, they're just more mellow. And, and it's interesting. The research shows that, like, if you mirror someone they like you more and they believe you more. Mm-hmm. So if you can match their energy level and how they talk and if they move their hands a lot, you move your hands too. Like, mm-hmm. But that mirroring builds bonding. It builds rapport. And mm-hmm. then it makes them feel like they can trust you more. And mm-hmm. so, so you know who's good with that thing. is Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that he teaches. The yeah. mirroring. Yeah. yeah. I used to do it all the time. Yeah. And then I got to a place where I, when I would coach people, I would see if they're going to mirror me. Mm-hmm. Oh. so I would give the first five six seven minutes to do what I'm doing have my hands a certain way uh-huh. and see if they mirrored me and most of the right. time they would mm-hmm. which means I guess I had them feeling comfortable yeah and they liked you yeah. and they right. liked you because they're taking the opportunity to try to mirror you but then when they were uh-huh. like this uh-huh. Right. Then I go, okay, let me just, it's going to be some work here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get through that obstacle. Right. Roll up your sleeves. Like, I'm just going to turn work. around like this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. And, and you got to win them over. But eventually, you know, if you stay the course, yeah. you yeah. don't allow that to like throw you off. Mm-hmm. And then they'll like, they'll, you'll see them. You'll see them. Even the way they put their legs, right? They cross right. their legs a certain way or they yeah. position their body a certain way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Trip. Totally. So when they're turned all the way to the side and they don't want to look at you. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very interesting when you do stand up comedy. Like I do that for fun every once in a while. Uh-huh. And you always got like, there's always the guys. They're sitting yeah. in the front <laughs> and they're all like this and they got their legs oh, crossed. Right. It's like, oh man, yep. this guy is going to mess up my gig. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even look at him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or I have, I've had comics say, no, go directly at that person. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Just yes. go straight for Yeah, just go straight for that person. Yeah. Just, Break them down. It'll, it'll, Break them down. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and then you can win. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, the third thing that I wanted to bring up is something that is still affecting people all over the world, and that's Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that morning, I was I was with my daughters. We were at IHOP, and, I, and we were going to a city walk. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the sky going, man, you guys, I don't think we're going to get sun today. Mm-hmm. It was so, like, just overcast. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting there, we're eating, and I get a text message, actually from Ziggy. Ziggy's mm-hmm. like, dude, Kobe's dead. I'm Aww. like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you go and I'm looking everywhere and it's nowhere. Yeah. I go to Wikipedia and it still has, he's still alive. Yeah. And it was TMZ. So then I go there and I see what mm. happened. And then I just got so sad that day. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's, he's a father of daughters. Yeah. So I totally matched up with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see him as a Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy has like the everything going for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it can just happen to anybody. So mm-hmm. for some reason for me, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing this with other people, mm-hmm. it just resonated in a way that, because you hear about people dying all the time. Yep. But it just messed me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's really definitely like a community-wide grief going on right now about Kobe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, like you already pointed out, he was like a superhero. So if it can happen to him, and at such a young age, he was only 41, it could happen to all of us. So mm-hmm. it provokes immediately that like existential crisis in all of us to some yeah. degree. Like, oh my gosh, like what, we don't know how long we're going to have here. Like maybe we're taking it for granted a little bit. And that kind of brings up a bit of fear in us. Mm-hmm. But I also think the other part of it is that people have described this grief like, similar to how they're grieving a real friend or Mm -hmm. a family member, even if they've never met Kobe. And, you know, I've told them like, it makes sense because he was this basketball star and we've known him all his life. Like we saw him grew up in the media. Mm -hmm. And generally when we watch games, it's a form of entertainment and escape for us. And it's a time for us to get together with the people Mm -hmm. that we love. So we have all these positive memories associated with Kobe, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, remember that time? It was so amazing. The whole family got together to watch the Lakers game, right? So you have these very, very specific memories that are tied to Kobe that are very positive and wonderful. And then Mm -hmm. so if he feels like a friend, because you grew up with him too, right. you know? And I think the other part of it that is so tragic, of course, is that he was with his daughter, mm-hmm. right? And I think that really hits people. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like she was so young too. So now we have two young lives, but especially the daughter. I mean, my goodness, she was only a teenager. She barely started to live her life, you know? And I think that that just brings up a lot of pain for people, like this idea of like an unlived life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when older people pass away, people are sad, but there's a bit more of an acceptance. Like, Right. Okay, you know, but they lived a life and they've had their chance. Mm-hmm. And like, you, there's the, all these things that we tell ourselves to comfort ourselves. Mm-hmm. What are you going to tell yourself to comfort yourself that a teenager died? There's right. not much you can mm-hmm. say to comfort yourself. And so I think that's why it's been so difficult for people. Mm-hmm. And I also think that grief is not really in stages. People kind of sometimes talk about like the stages of grief, which of course is a theory. But I don't think 
grief is that simple. Like one day you wake up, you're angry. And the next day you're like, I'm in denial. Like, it didn't happen yet. Like he's still alive. Yeah. And so it can be very confusing. If you've actually lost other important people in your life, I think sometimes losing somebody like a public figure like Kobe brings up your old grief with other people in your life. And then you're like dealing with both grief at mm. the same time. And I think that's why it's like messing people up so much because there's just so many reasons why this was particularly right. tragic and meaningful for a lot of people. Yeah, mm, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it threw you off. Oh, me. yeah, I still, still hurts. Yeah, I learned through a ta- text too. My husband texted mm. to me. And at first I was like, Kobe who? Like, there's no way. Like, you right. know, in my mind, I was like, Kobe what? Like, right. it can't be him, right? Can't be Kobe Bryant. No. I was like, Kobe. And I remember that one of our neighbors had a dog, Kobe. So I was like, oh, the neighbor's dog? And he's like, no, Kobe Bryant. I'm like, oh. no. Like, you know, but I was, the when I first read it, I was in denial. I was like, yeah, there's no way. There's it must no be way. the dog or it must be something else that I'm not thinking about, you know? Yeah, usually oh. if someone that's overweight or like when Luther Vondross died, yeah. like, well, he's battled with all kind of health challenges. Yeah. And like you said, it's more, you, you, you're sad, but you're kind of, you accept it. Yeah, you know, yeah. When Michael Jackson, like- when, I mean, it was kind of the same for me and Michael Jackson. I'll mm-hmm. never forget exactly where I was yeah. when I found out and I was like, because you know that was really sad so much yeah yes like my whole world was turned upside down yeah Yeah. that was so sad too and also he Mm -hmm. was young yeah Yeah. and it was also sudden yeah those things are hard for people the sudden unexpected yeah 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 it's difficult i know i hugged my daughters uh, totally different yeah it was it was a good reminder for me Mm -hmm. to stay very present as often as i possibly yeah yeah just can't take any time for granted right that's for sure Yeah. Now, before I give it to you, I have one more. Oh, man, you're (laughs) hogging. No, because, okay, so about two months ago, I woke up and I'm lying in the bed and, you know, no one's in the house but me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like depressed. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And then why am I feeling this way? No one dies. Everything's going great. Mm -hmm. Stay healthy. We're rocking and rolling. (laughs) All these great positive things. I go, why am I feeling like sad or uh-huh. There's something bothering me. And so I started huh. thinking about mental health. Yeah. And I was like, is that a sign? Of, is it just a moment? Mm-hmm. Or or is this what people are experiencing or what they're talking about when it comes to mental health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, if someone was kind of different than all of us, we put them in the back room and put yeah. a, a, a football helmet on them or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they wouldn't. So they wouldn't hurt themselves. You say, oh, you know, Uncle Johnny, he's back there. He's crazy. Yeah. And and they were dealing with mental health. Mm-hmm. So today we live in this world where they're talking about that all the time. Yep. So what are they talking about? Like, what is mental health? I mean, I think that what everybody should realize is that, you know, we should all be working on our mental wellness because mental wellness and physical wellness are just linked. I mean, we know that now because there's research that shows that if you feel lonely, that you might die earlier. I mean, it's crazy, but the body and the mind are 100 percent linked up. So your mental wellness is your physical wellness is your overall wellness, period. And so we should all be thinking about that. But just because we feel sad sometimes doesn't mean that you have an illness. You know, those are just emotions, you know. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're depressed, but if you are 40% of Americans are depressed at some point in their life. So then go get some help, you know, whatever that help might mean for you. For some people, it's medication, for some people, it's church, for some people, it's therapy, Mm -hmm. for some people, it's just getting together with friends and leaning on them harder, you know, but I think there's so much that we can all do and be empowered to take care of our mental health that we don't have to be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a person who's prone to depression myself. I, I, I'm very fortunate and blessed in that way, but of course you have moments of that, you know, 
horrible breakups, you know, in my 20s. I remember there'd be like days where I just didn't want to get out of bed, Mm -hmm. right? And those were moments in time. But I remember thinking sometimes like, oh my God, like, is this the beginning of an actual (laughs) depression? (laughs) Like, I'm just going to go like, you know, be completely sick and, you know, but you always get out of it. And that's because when you don't fight your emotions, they actually go away much quicker. They're just like waves in the ocean. They're all temporary, you know? And sometimes when I feel sad, I actually realize that there's something important that my emotions are telling me. So I try to Mm. think about it that way and reframe it so I don't start to pathologize something that's just normal. Like, for example, you know, when I lost my grandmother, it was very, very difficult for me. And from time to time, I'll still be really sad about it. You know, just like a memory of her remind me Mm -hmm. and like, I'll be sad. But now I'm just like, you know what? But that's so beautiful because you love her so much that like even four years after she passes you still cry about it sometimes. And that's cool. You know what I mean? Like to me, I feel like that's that honoring cool. her. Like yeah. That. Yeah. It's your perspective. And so I think it's about changing that mm-hmm. conversation as opposed to like, Oh my God, like this is it. Like it's the end of me. Like I'm right. yeah. going to be depressed for my rest of my life. <laughs> like that black and white thinking again. Cause you know, it's mm-hmm. never like that. And, and the more you dwell on it, the more it actually makes it stick around. So if you're just kind of like, okay, hi, I'm feeling sad today. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, but see, is that that mm. open okay. conversation that you're having and yeah. that I'm hearing? That's what that's what happened with me, right? Because I was going, "Is this depression?" Like I literally was like, <laughs> "You talking, just ask yourself." I was yeah, like, talking to myself. Yeah. And if someone had come in without <laughs> me knowing, they would say, "What is wrong?" He's talking to What's himself. What's wrong with that yeah. guy? But I'm actually doing something positive. I'm that is I'm thinking it out. That is positive. There you go. And, and it was gone the next day. Right. <laughs> and then you just ask yourself that. And actually, I think it's interesting, too, because sometimes you experience that. You're like, whoa, is this like what people who are depressed feel sometimes? Because that's hard. And right. actually, sometimes it makes you feel like empathetic for people. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. dang, like I got a small taste of that yesterday. It was not good. You know, right. then you also <laughs> become more empathetic of people. Because right. mm-hmm. the thing about depression is that it, like it, people who are depressed push people away, like not on purpose, but they're depressed. So like they're yeah. hard to be around. Like you try to help them and they're like are cranky towards you or right. they shut you out and you're like well f- screw you yeah. then you know but now you're like oh man like that's a tough feeling and that's mm-hmm. probably why they're so ashamed that they don't want to be around people but then maybe it makes you want to try harder to help a friend or a family right. member who might be going through that you know hmm. yeah Mm. All right, so drum roll, please. Finally, God. No, I know I've been waiting and waiting. No, so a couple of questions. My first one has to do, we talked a little bit, or you mentioned it a little bit earlier about um, self-limiting beliefs. And mm-hmm. I, I want to ask, do you feel that, because I, I also think of this with my weight loss clients, mm-hmm. right? And just how much access they have to social media, what they see. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that, comparing or people comparing themselves that's whether it's on social media or whatever Mm -hmm. that that contributes to them feeling like a certain way about themselves oh yeah it's so easy to feel less than when you're Mm -hmm. comparing yourself to somebody's highlight reel that's just so unfair you know Mm -hmm. i mean i have a social media account that is very much wellness based it's about like tips and like Mm -hmm. you know how to utilize tips to improve your mental and physical health Mm -hmm. but every single post that i put up takes me 20 to 30 minutes because I'm writing the advice. And right. so it's crazy. You put it up, people are like, oh, like, this is a great idea. I'm like, yeah, that took me half an hour to write. <laughs> right. Might as well written a book, you know? And so <laughs> right. that's what people don't see, right? Is like how much somebody's filtered a picture or how much they've like looked through their camera reel to only post the best photo. Right. I mean, there's so much that goes into those things, but then people see it. And then they usually see it in rapid succession, right? Because they're scrolling mm-hmm. through everybody's feed. They're like, oh my God, and she looks amazing. And she looks, it's like, Dude, there was perfect lighting. 
Mm-hmm. They then filtered the heck out of it. <laughs> right. right. And then they took it from like a thousand angles because we've all known those people Hell where yeah. like, you've seen them in the restaurants. Take it again. Take it again. Take it. Take it again. <laughs> you know, there's so many redos. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we have to just get really centered in our own values. Like, what is it that we want for ourselves? Like, mm-hmm. we want to get healthy. So what's a good goal for me? Not what's a good goal for my neighbor or what's a good goal for Kendall Jenner. <laughs> like, right. like right. what's a good goal for me? You know, mm-hmm. is it to lose five pounds? It's not to look exactly like Kendall Jenner because who's going to look like that? You know, not pe- not most people, you know. But I think mm-hmm. we put ourselves up to these impossible expectations and then we think it's going to motivate us, but it just makes us feel bad about ourselves. So we just have to look inside ourselves more and think about like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the values? Is it because I really care about being healthy? Is it because I want to be healthier for my children? I want to set a good example. Like, from that place, make your goals and make your goals about you personally mm-hmm. as opposed to all of that social media stuff. And I think so many people do have to limit their exposure to social media. Like I've encouraged people take a break. If you feel like you're going down a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. just don't look at social media for 24 hours. Right. It's making you feel bad. Freeing it feels like it's amazing. During the holidays. Oh yeah. Cause I thought about that during the holidays. I was watching all these people post all these amazing family gatherings. Yeah. What about all the people who don't have a family? Right. I know. What about all the people who just broke up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you, you know, I'll see people, Actually, in the last year, mm-hmm. I watched three of my friends get married. Mm-hmm. The first six months, they're kissing, they're <laughs> hugging. Yeah. It's like they're eating, feed me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. nonstop. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then stuff. you don't right. see it anymore. Like, yep. What happened? And, yeah. you, and then you go because you know something's going on. So this is what I did. So I go, I'm trolling. Ah! I go look at the relationship. Uh-huh. Divorce, separate. <gasps> yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> And That's then I guess when you learn a lesson, not, I mean, I guess you want to show that you're you're in love and that yeah. all that. But you're highlight reel, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. Like, no. I don't think I would put my relationship on mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason I, you know, it's funny because the reason I bring that up too is I think a lot of times, and maybe you you might get this too, but as a coach, sometimes they think all my clients think like, oh, I never have any problems with respect to nutrition or yeah. staying in shape, and yeah. oh, it's easy for you and. You yeah. don't have to worry about it. It's like, no, I have to put work we into. We work every day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's a good example that you're mm-hmm. setting. Like, bust that myth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are days where, I mean, working out is very important to me. But there are days where I'm like, dude, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it right. anyway. But yes. it's so hard. The first 15 minutes, I'm like, yeah. I seriously this like sucks. really want to stop <laughs> and then once you get past the first 15 20 like yeah. it always gets better and i have yeah. to remind myself of that right but people will be like oh like well you don't know what it's like i'm like i actually do every yeah. morning it's a decision you make and some mm-hmm. mornings it's harder than others to make a good decision you know that's yeah. true for everybody that is true mm-hmm. I, yeah. wayne dyer once mm-hmm. said think from the end yep and that's helped me get through many cardio sessions oh that's yeah. good yeah. think from the Sorry. end yes. the that. end yeah because how I know good how you're I'm gonna, gonna feel, feel when yeah. you're not <laughs> yeah. oh. you're gonna feel better you right. can't i mean right then i'll flex on you <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true that's a good tip because i do that too i'm like you know what i really don't want to but imagine how you're gonna feel at the end of this 50 minute run like you know yep. you ran 50 minutes you know how good that feels every time mm-hmm. like i've literally never worked out and then regretted i worked out right, right. that's like Exa- the one thing in yeah. my life i've never yeah so you have to remember that you're like oh no i'm gonna feel like, yeah. I feel like i'm gonna like start the day by winning you know <laughs> like, there's, yeah. there's a video i did <clears throat> probably 12 years ago i'm gonna send it to you because uh-huh. it's hilarious it opens up where i'm doing cardio i'm jumping mm-hmm. rope i'm on the step mill <laughs> i'm jogging jumping rope I'm like, cardio, cardio, yeah. the music's going. 
And then it finally gets to this part where the music goes off and it goes, I hate cardio. <laughs> so I open it by pulling people in thinking how much I love it. Uh-huh. But the reality is I hate it. You hate it. Yeah. And then I talk about how this, like I used to train these boxers, right? <clears throat> and this one boxer was not all there mentally. Um, and I think that's what made them great. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we would be on the stair, um, step mill or, you know, we're working out and uh-huh. you can see the timing. So if I say, hey, we're mm-hmm. going to do 30 minute jog on a treadmill today. Mm-hmm. So it'll be counting down 29. Mm-hmm. It gets down to two. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, let's get out of here, man. He goes, dude, there's two more minutes. I'm like, okay. I mean, like that's going to change. I mean, is that going to be the game changer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my mind, right? Uh-huh. And then he would wait, and then it'd be like 15 seconds ago. I go, dude, let's go. Uh-huh. He goes, dude, there's 15 seconds. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And he would wait, and it would hit, and then he would get off. Mm-hmm. And that used to bother me. <gasps> ah. But then I realized I want that. <gasps> I want to be more like him. Yeah. Because when he said he was going to do 30 minutes or 45 he was minutes, doing it. that's what he's going to do. Yep. And mm-hmm. so my my client taught me a lesson. <laughs> I like that he was lesson. Crazy. <laughs> so I must I be love crazy. That you do that? I totally if do you that. Say, I'm going to do 31 minutes. You don't get mm-hmm. off. Nope. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That says yeah. a lot about your your character too, right? Yeah. 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 You just said he was crazy though. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he kidding. was crazy, but <laughs> but that part's a good part of that. That was yeah. a good part cuz ever since yeah. then, uh-huh. I learned so many lessons and even with my daughters, mm-hmm. I realized that we can teach our kids to become liars. Yeah. And so my lesson from him and my mom with the glass and all that is I'll say, girls, we're going to leave in 10 minutes and go to Target. Mm-hmm. They go, okay. So now it's one minute. I know we're not going to leave in one minute. Mm-hmm. I go, hey, remember uh-huh. I said we're going to leave in 10 minutes, you guys? Daddy needs 15 more minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be 15 more minutes. That means at 4.15, we're leaving. Uh-huh. Yep. And so now when I say we're leaving in five, they go, they know that means five. Right. But if it's not five, then daddy's going to tell us that he needs more time. Right. Mm. Which is so great. Right. Yes. Such an important lesson. Like, it's really good, again, to, like, make sure you have those expectations and boundaries. Right. Otherwise, you're like, oh, really? I mean, I have friends like that. OK, see you at one. They don't show up until one thirty. Right. right. I mean, to the point where I'm starting to be like, should I just tell them that a reservation is 30 minutes early? Yeah. So they finally show up on time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and you know what? It does actually wear on your relationship and that trust of that person. And you mm-hmm. feel like you can't respect them quite as much, you know, because when mm-hmm. they say things come out of their mouth, you don't know how much they, you can really take stock in it. So I think it is important. I think it is important right. to do that. And obviously things come up, things change. But I'm like that, too. You know, I in general, like I have a really, really hard time with um, if, I, if, if somebody says we're ending the meeting at five. Mm hmm then we're ending the meeting at five. If the meeting is going to run later, then tell me that, right? Because everyone has an expectation. So I really try to be respectful of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, things come up, but like whenever I can, it's like, if I said this meeting is an hour, it's an hour. Or we're going to end earlier because everybody loves it when meetings end earlier. But if it's going to run later, I tell people that. I say, you know what? Obviously, we're not getting it all done today. It's going to take another 15 minutes. And I find that people... really appreciate that you know because they need to know for their own lives and their own mindset of like Mm -hmm. how much longer am I going to be in this chair and it's the same thing when I commit to an exercise goal it's like if I said I'm running five miles I'm running five miles like I'm not going to stop until I run Mm -hmm. five I don't care if I'm crawling it's (laughs) still going to get to the five like damn it (laughs) yeah sometimes I do sometimes at the end of a a run I'm so tired I'm like you know what but you said you're going to do five so you're going to walk the last half a mile it's fine and and isn't it true that when you say I'm going to do 30 but Mm -hmm. you do 20 Mm-hmm. that you have set yourself up to be okay with lying to yourself. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's true. Mm-hmm. 
But then if I say 30, I do 35, then I feel amazing. Right? Boom. <laughs> yeah. 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 So totally. like, I totally yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah. So like, this, uh, this morning I was so I, tired. I knew I wasn't going <laughs> to run that long. So I was like, I'll do 35 minutes. Yeah. But then I ended up doing 45. I'm like, oh. I'm what? amazing. And I'm mean, like, yeah, like, you know, but it felt good to actually reach the goal first. Yeah. And then do a little extra. But yeah, it drives me crazy too. If I, I'm like, no, I said it's going to be 45. No. It's at 43. I got to run two more minutes. No, I would, I've, I've done that before where if I, let's say something literally happened where I had to stop my cardio or something like that and I was going to do 40 minutes mm-hmm. and I had to stop early, 23 minutes, mm-hmm. I'd go back later on and finish. Finish, it. finish like the I seven minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah 17. That's, that's amazing. I so it took not. me a long time to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. There's Obsessive. hope for everybody. But you're there now. <laughs> yeah. Shiny yeah. example. That's right. Of change got, always happens if you right. want it to. You've got good energy around you now to get there. All right, that's thank right. You. Yeah, yeah. You guys have helped me out quite a bit. <laughs> now, your, your book that is available right now. Yes. Um, why? Who's the ideal person to purchase that book? Well, I think everybody self-sabotages sometimes, and I don't think people should feel ashamed about it. It's mm-hmm. the way that we're wired. We sometimes get in our own way. So it's for everybody, but it's for a person who really wants to take ownership of the issues that they have in their mm-hmm. lives and like they want to make positive change so it's like take stock like have awareness and be able to apply it and so it's for anybody who might be struggling with establishing healthier habits trying to break a bad habit who wants to get further in their career who wants to have better friendships and better mm-hmm. romantic relationships and they find hey i say this is a goal of mine but how come i keep mm. tripping up well let me figure that out and mm-hmm. let's do this plan that's a very scientific plan to get there Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. So I'm going to read the book and I'm going to recommend it to everybody. Thank you so much. I'll yes. send you guys copies. Woo. Yeah. We, should, we should make it part of every client. I know. My, my client should read this. Because it's, think about it. It's yes. not us that's causing them not to be successful. Yeah. That's right. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something going on with them. Yeah, yeah it's true. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's all about taking that responsibility, mm-hmm. right? The personal responsibility is very mm-hmm. important because it's not like you take the personal responsibility. That means that you're a bad person. No, it's just like, you want to establish that feeling of I can change my life. Right. right. If I take responsibility, then I'm also responsible for changing it. Mm-hmm. And then when I change, I can feel great about myself. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing. Nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Can you get any you. more questions there before we have to say mm-hmm. goodbye oh, to well. our amazing guest and partner? I know she is amazing. I <laughs> guess there's you. one quick question. So I just want to know, cause you're so passionate about what you do. I mean, mm-hmm. did you, did you know early on that you wanted to get into the field of psychology? Yeah, probably in high school. Because I was ah. in the Big Sister, Big Brother program, and I had a mm-hmm. little mentee, and she was a foster kid, and I was only 15, and she was 10. And, you know, what does a 15-year-old really know? Nothing. I mean, I took her to get ice cream. I, like, hung mm-hmm. out with her at a coffee shop. I took her to the mall. But it's amazing what just being there and mm-hmm. being present for a person who didn't have that stability before, mm-hmm. like, what that does to a person. I mean, I didn't really feel like I did that much, but she, like, thrived. Like, she looked forward to our, you know, visits every Aww. week. And she would tell me about what's going on with her life. And she had like five different foster mothers when I was working with her. Wow. But wow. I was the most consistent person. And she would tell me about her grades. She would like take me her math homework and show me how she was doing. And I actually still talk to her today. Like wow. we still write letters. And she's doing amazing. She's only five years younger than me. So she's like a fully right. formed right. adult now. She's got her kids of her own. Things are great. She's doing really well. She's working. She's got a stable job. And I just realized at that time, even though I was just 15, I was like, wow, you can do so much for one person by just being there. And I, that's when I really wanted to learn more about psychology and get into it to help people that way. It's like, wow, you can make a huge difference by doing nothing. Like, I really thought I was doing nothing. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's crazy. Right. But it's just about being there. Mm-hmm. It's just about being present and being consistent. And that was it. Yeah. So anyway, well, there's, that's a, awesome. there's a wealth of um, knowledge and insight and 
for sure. opportunity to pick up and learn some things from mm-hmm. having you here today. I know. Thank you. I mean, yes. it's been awesome. Yeah, um, absolute pleasure. And looking forward to all the things that we're going to be doing together. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Thank you again for having me on. Oh, you've been great. And as we always say, you know, mm-hmm. part of our closing with the Stay Healthy experience is that we want to remind people that they can get healthy, they can be healthy, and then they can stay healthy. Love it. Hello, everyone. This is Robert Ferguson, and thank you for watching our show. Now, be sure to like, subscribe, and click on the bell so that you are notified whenever we upload new shows. Again, thank you for watching.